story from The Guardian says, If you don't like climate activists staging art gallery protests, organise something better. The Jeff Sparrow story has the kicker headline, It's far better to speak too loud than to remain silent. With the environmental catastrophe accelerating day by day, activism has never been more important. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. It's so great to have you on board. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Sparrow's story begins. In the midst of worsening environmental disaster, protests matter more than ever. Last week, two Just Stop Oil activists threw tomato soup at Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers painting in London as part of a broader push for the cessation of new fossil fuel projects. Something the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change described as crucial to preventing climate disaster. The sunflowers painting, safe behind a perspex sheet, remained entirely unharmed and went back on display the same day. The stunt followed other art protests, in which activists glued themselves to artworks by Botticelli, Boccaccini, Van Gogh and other old masters. In Melbourne, Extinction Rebellion campaigners targeted the Picasso painting. Massacre in Korea. No one has been injured. No art has been damaged. Yet conservatives everywhere have lost their collective minds. Take a fairly random example. As far back as July, News Corp's Dan Petrie was tut-tutting in the Courier-Mail about activists alienating their own supporters, explaining that gallery protests would increase insurance premiums and so drive up the prices of tickets to exhibitions. Gosh, Sparrow writes, wait until he hears about what climate change will do. Yes, I've done it again. I am your host, Robert McLean. And now from the Climate Council we are told everything you need to know about floods and climate change. The Australian-based Climate Council explains How does climate change affect floods? Well, climate change driven by the burning of coal, oil and gas means all of today's weather is occurring in an atmosphere that's been made warmer, wetter and more energetic. Think of heating water in a pan as it warms, it starts to bubble, more energy, and steam, more moisture in the air. This extra energy, heat and moisture can mean several things. A warmer atmosphere can hold more moisture. In fact, for every degree of warming, the atmosphere can hold 7% more moisture. More moisture can mean that more rainfall comes in short, intense downpours. This can increase the risk of flash flooding. The extra heat in the atmosphere means that more energy for weather systems that generate intense rainfall. People from the Shepparton-based Australian Federal Electorate of Nichols, which has been declared the worst in Australia for riverine flooding, need to read this explainer from the Climate Council, as it will help them better understand the floods presently occupying their attention. Meanwhile, Griffiths University scientist David Lindemeyer, Brendan Mackay, Heather Keith told readers of the Canberra Times that burning forest biomass for energy is a climate own goal. Writing in the August 24 story, they said, 
The world is urgently seeking alternatives to fossil fuels, coal, gas and oil as energy sources. Decarbonising our economies is critical, they said, if we are to succeed in reducing carbon dioxide emissions and hence limit global warming and runaway climate change. One energy source proposed by some industry lobby groups is native forest biomass, which can include all or part of a tree's woody trunk and branches. Using forest biomass for energy is now widespread across Europe, and vast quantities of timber are now exported from North America to burn in the United Kingdom, France and elsewhere. However, data from Europe shows that there has been a major increase in the intensification of logging in Europe over the past five to seven years and this could prevent many European nations reaching their emissions reduction targets under the Paris and Glasgow agreements. The same process is now being pushed heavily by certain forest industry lobbyists and government agencies in several Australian states, including Tasmania, Victoria and New South Wales. Meanwhile, in the Melbourne Age, four reporters pooled their skills to write a story headlined, Switch to State Control Starts Clock Ticking on Coal-Fired Power Plants. They said, Victoria's three remaining coal-fired power plants are likely to close years earlier than expected after the Andrews government announced a $1 billion plan to aggressively ramp up renewable energy and become an active competitor in the state's electricity market. Premier Daniel Andrews Energy Minister Lily D'Ambrosio said on Thursday that a re-elected Labor government would revive the State Electricity Commission which was carved up and sold off in the 1990s, promising unreliable privatised coal will be replaced by a clean government-owned renewable energy. Those power stations won't be for profit, Andrews said. It's about building offshore wind, not offshore profits. Under the plan, a re-elected Labor government would spend $1 billion to create 4.5 gigawatts of energy from wind and solar projects enough to replace LGL's ageing Luoyang A coal-fired power plant. You'll find links to all those stories in the show notes. We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. So until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. So until we talk again, please take care, and in the case of people in Northern Victoria, stay dry.